Welcome to another episode of Beer and Backfire Podcast, episode two of, I guess, what we're calling season two. Hopefully, this one sounds a lot better than every other episode we've done, because for the first time ever, we're recording on, like, somewhat decent equipment. Rather than just having one microphone in the middle of an echoey room, we now all have handheld mics going through a recorder where we can monitor some levels and listen on headphones and record two separate tracks for better editing so levels levels so yeah pod uh, uh zoom what is this thing called pod track p4 is what we're trying to do this on now so we'll see how it goes it can't be worse it cannot be worse than it already was no it cannot and most of that is my fault i feel like actually our last setup should have worked but i made some complicated technical mistakes but even then i still feel like oh, the last yes. episode was better than Previously, Yeah, and this will be better by far than even that. Even that could have been if I had done it perfectly, probably. Sure. What are you drinking, Jordan? Oh, boy. This is 903 Brewers Sasquatch with Cocoa Nib. Cocoa? Cocoa Nibs. It has chocolate in it. It's really good. Um, I did not realize that this was 12.5%, so Mm. starting strong. Mm. All right. This is out of... Sherman, Texas, apparently. Interesting. I stole a stone IPA out of your fridge. It's okay. Yeah, it's fine. It's 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 fine. fine. Yeah. It's oh my gosh. So you know how I've always been like, it's beer for like random stuff. Yeah. That is literally PBR's new ad campaign. Really? Really? It tastes like beer. Oh no. That's what it is. (laughs) That's amazing. That's amazing. (laughs) I I have I'm not drinking a beer currently. Um, but I am drinking water out of a redneck, redneck soap opera quadruple from uh, Licking Hole Creek. It's a, it's to, to clarify, it's a the glass bottle, the big like seven fifty mil glass bottle that has been very nicely cut and apparently sanded. I'm guessing mm-hmm. also yeah. down into a cup, which is pretty cool. Yeah, this is my favorite thing too. The, the uh, these bottles from Licking Hole Creek are my favorite. I keep wanting to say Triple Crossing. I don't yeah. know why Licking Hole Creek. Um, they have really nice, pleasing labels to touch, and so turning them into cups is great. So I did want to talk about two beers uh, that I had recently. Last time we recorded, we talked about um, that beer from Stone that I forget the name of all of a sudden. Fear Movie Lions, right? There you go. And I had how I remember how I had had it, and it was terrible. Mm-hmm. I had it again out of a can, and it's like a thousand times better. Remind me, how did you have it the last time when you did not like it? It was a bottle. It was a glass bottle. Oh. Yeah. Weird. I don't know. And I was talking to Adam, and he said that it's even better than the can if you get it on tap somewhere. Yeah, it's definitely best on tap. I've had cans and tap. It's, I mean, tap is always. It's it's amazing to me how different storage mediums impart such different flavor quality to beer. Like, uh, personally, I do not really care for, like, for example, Hardywood gingerbread stout on tap that much i don't think it's very good but in a bottle it's freaking amazing mm. especially in a can too but yeah it's it's crazy how much effect that has i think the seasoning of the lines you know like from the keg to the head yeah is has a lot to do with you know like like bringing you like a nostalgic flavor like you go to your favorite bar and like the lines are seasoned just right yeah you know? sure sure i understand so the second beer that I wanted to talk about was I had the occasion to finally drink a beer that I've been waiting since I think 2015 to drink. 
Whoa. Uh, You've just had it, like, aging this whole yes. time? Yes. Oh, I, whoa. I bought, around that time, around Christmas time, twenty. it was either Christmas 2015 or Christmas 2016. I, I can't remember exactly uh, which one. It doesn't really matter. The point is, I've had this beer for that long. I bought a St. Bernardus Abbott 12 Ooh. that was oak-aged. Oh, my God. It was, like, the special edition for that Christmas or whatever. And I, I bought a big bottle of it, and I gave it to Jack, and I said, when I get engaged, we're going to open this and drink it. And then... I actually remember that, I think. Then I got engaged two weeks ago, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, we opened it, and oh my god. It's probably the best beer I've ever had. I don't doubt it. That it sounds was, awesome. It was incredible. It was so good. I love I love oak aged beers. I love Trappist beers. So like, and I feel like they keep it like some some beers like Trappist beers. I feel like they keep the flavors simple enough where it works really well aged. Whereas like I've tried multiple times to age things like like I had a um, I think four year old bottle of uh, Kentucky Christmas Morning earlier this summer, and it was not very good. It just tasted like an okay stout. Like, all the actual flavor that made it, in, like, what it was, was gone. There's, like, no spices, no gingerbread left. It was just an okay stout. Yeah. But I think if you have a very, if you start out with a very simple but robust beer, like an oak-aged Trappist beer, yeah. it is, yeah, that, yeah. yeah. I don't think I've ever even heard of Trappist. Trappist is a style of beer Oh, from Belgium. Okay. Uh, the brewery is St. Bernardus. Okay. Well, yeah. Trappist beer in general, I believe, is a very specific type of beer brewed by a very specific order of monks. Oh, okay. That is yeah. true. The Trappist monks. There, it's like super old. Like super, super old. It's like the oldest beer. Mm. Or some of the oldest beer. That, th- it, that, th- has, that has been continuously made. I think that's... Uh, technically, I think Weinstefaner has that locked down. Really? I believe so. Mm. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I think that's the longest continuously operating brewery currently operating. What was it? Weinstefaner. She's that girl from No Doubt, right? <laughs> you can leave. self <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I hate it. I hate it so much. So... <laughs> I moving on. Uh, <laughs> oh man, I had I've had a couple of ideas for um, like recurring bits for the show. So I don't know if you guys would be interested in that. They're like you know I don't want to say lowbrow, but they're like low hanging fruit, low, low, low importance. Like not you know there's not really like an hours long discussion. Okay, to have one of them was like basically I, we can call it whatever you want, car spotting or whatever, but. Like, just have you seen any interesting cars on the road recently? I saw an orange McLaren on the way here. That's cool. The 670 or... uh, I'm not going to lie. They all look pretty much exactly the same to me, so I don't know. They do all look the same. It was an orange McLaren, and I'm pretty sure I've seen it before around here, but I thought you don't see an orange McLaren every day around here, so... I've seen the... There's a hybrid one. Um, The Senna? No. Hold on. Isn't the Senna a track-only car? Oh, I'm sorry. The P1. No, P1. the Senna is yes. not track-only. P1, But also, yeah. the Senna is faster than the P1. Actually, the 720S is faster than mm. the P1. But there's but. a yellow P1 that I've seen pretty regularly around, like, the Innsbruck area. I've really? Seen it, I've seen it three times now on wow. Broad Street. Yeah. Very nice. So I, I, see, I see kind hurt of... hurt myself every, every, every I, I time. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> I see I see cool cars occasionally because I'm on the road mm. constantly. On the way home from work the other day on the ramp off of Powite onto Chippenham. 
I saw a B7 Alpina. Oh, the 7 series? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I feel like I used to see those all the time. Really? Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen one in person. Oh, really? Yeah. They're pretty they're pretty rare these days. Yeah. It's I, well, that's I don't know they if, were... Can you get them through a BMW dealer? Is yes. that how that works? Okay. But they were also garbage i mean steaming piles of Worth shit it, really. yeah all of those seven series and five series from that like era of bmw like 2010s 2005s to 10 yeah hmm, something like that age. that looks newer than that though to me at least i'm i'm not Maybe, super yeah, well versed in the bmw stuff I, but i thought I, I thought i had another one but i can't i can't remember what it was i just spent a week in the mountains and or I guess, so we were in, we were at Clear Lake State Park. We went to Dublin for a day to go into the town. And there's, I mean, just like, it's it's a, the smallest town, like one stoplight type situation. And lots of like little mom and pop garages with just rust farms, you know, in the back of all these shops. There was a lot of cool old, like, I saw probably 30 60s era Ford Rancheros in behind this one shop. Old Cadillacs. uh Pretty cool, like, first-generation Corvettes and stuff. You know, what you would expect to find in, like, the backwoods of, like, you know, basically West Virginia. Yeah, right. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I haven't really seen a whole lot, other than McLaren, um, mm-hmm. I haven't really seen a whole lot on the road. But we did have a C8 in the shop recently for the first time mm-hmm. having uh, mechanical work done. We've had one on the dyno before, just for, like, baseline stuff. Go ahead. I, I remembered. I remembered what I saw. Oh, and go I, ahead. I'm going to need some help from Pierce. The De Tommaso? Yes. Yeah. Pantera? No, it was um whatever. It it's is. the um I can't think of what it's freaking called. Man, it's the uh Man- Mangusta or something. Yeah. Like that. Oh, the Mangusta, yeah. yeah. So who makes it though? I can't I can't remember cuz I had to google the, it after I I got that picture. I'm I aware I was aware that that car exists, but I I knew like nothing about it until I also I also had to google it because the Mangusta originally was made by De Tommaso, but that one was made by Caval. Yeah, Q Q V A L E. Q V A L E. Q V A L E would be Cavale. Cavale. I think Cavale Mangusta is what I saw on the road, like in Innsbruck. Like, yeah, I, it was. It was. I I did some maneuvers to get close <laughs> to take a picture. <laughs> I saw one at Classics on the Green, and oh, I yeah. I thought it was a. They look very similar to the BMW Z8. I think. The, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That weird coupe thing that they had with the doors. The one that, that was in down. a James Bond. No, the Z1 has the slide Z1. down doors. The Z8 yeah. uh, was sold here and did not have slide down doors. It was okay. also very weird looking. Well, either one of those. I'm not sure which one I'm specifically referring to. But. It was in the movie. It was Tomorrow either Tomorrow Never Dies or The World mm-hmm. Is Not Enough. It was one of those two James Bond movies it was in. Gets cut in half by a helicopter with a bunch of uh, like the the blades they use to trim trees on the side of the highway. Oh. It gets cut in half by one of those. Sounds like a very Bond thing. I forgot to happen. about that scene. <laughs> it's <laughs> not the best James no. Bond movie, but it's pretty good. Oh, uh, un- t- kind of related. Uh, I got the complete James Bond Blu-ray collection for uh, Father's nice. Day, which was pretty. Or my birthday, actually, not Father's Day, but for my birthday. Is that cool. like twenty some movies? It's everything from Doctor No to Spectre, which was the most recent one. I'm very, very much looking forward to adding this upcoming one, uh, No Time to Die, to that collection because that's the last Daniel Craig one. Yeah, it'll be a nice round. Yeah, box set. That'll be cool. So, uh, I also wanted to do just a bit of follow up from the last episode. 
which I don't know if you've got you guys have listened to. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, okay, I, I figured you did. I, I wait. Uh, are you asking if we've listened to our own podcast yeah, episode? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. But of course I have. Okay. No, I I, I know you edited it. So well, okay. I mean, but even besides that, I've I've listened to it like four or five times. Yeah, me too. I, yeah. I've listened to it three times. Okay. Yeah. I really like Pierce's that is editing style. It, yeah. I, it turned out really nice. Thank I, you. I, I agree. That. I agree. First of all, Camrys are not CVT. Okay. Oh, the the V6s? None of them. Okay. Oh, okay. I think. Uh, uh, excuse me. I I did some I did some googling and I believe maybe the hybrid is uh, that oh, would not well, shock but me. It's yeah. just that. Was it an eight speed auto or ten speed? There are two different ones. Um, I think I I don't remember all the details off the top of my head right now, but I was I was mad again while listening to it, and I was like <laughs> was like googling at at a stoplight like. Trying to trying to uh, you know find the answers. And, mm. Yeah, there there was a CVT option, but it's not all of them. So it's mostly like traditional automatics. Yeah. Okay. So why do they feel so shitty? I don't know. <laughs> it, it honestly doesn't feel that bad to me. I, I don't, just I, I don't know. I mean, I I've literally as I said in the in the previous episode, I've literally only driven the four cylinder like basic fleet option, and they just all feel you know unless you have it in sport mode, they just all feel like CVTs. They all feel so just boring and soft it's just trying to get the best fuel economy i'm sure that it is yeah yeah i i think i drove it around in sport mode most of the time yeah i mean you have to (laughs) yeah i mean that's fair it says sport obviously it makes it faster yeah right um and they're they're, okay so uh, one other thing i got cut off or you got cut off or something like that saying that evap systems are useless uh evap yeah or it does cause a lot of check engine lights, and you have to replace a lot of expensive. Well, was it the EVAP, or because we we were talking about EGR systems, right? Yeah, we were talking or, about emissions systems okay. for for carb standards and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You said you said something to the effect of like, I do EVAP systems don't actually do anything, anyways. I, I probably didn't mean that they don't do anything because they do, but they are. I mean, it's a it's a stupid system. I I feel like it could be engineered. In a similar manner, they could have something working in that way without, like, it doesn't need to be that complicated. It shouldn't have to be all that. Like, Toyota's got pressurized pumps now that, that they're using in their systems, and they, they all go bad. And to test them is, you know, you got to have special equipment. And it's, it's, so, it's so circular to, mm-hmm. to diagnose anything. You almost just have to replace, like, the entire system every time. That's, it's frustrating, and I hate it. That's that's totally fair. That that's a reasonable argument that I I can agree with you with. Yeah. Um, the the way because the conversation like died like right after you said that you said this thing that was like statement of fact. Evap don't <laughs> do anything, and I was like, wait a second, yeah. <laughs> no no we, no we got we got we got to yeah yeah they definitely do. And I mean yeah, yeah. the, the I benefit you. is fuel economy, right? I mean you're you're yeah you're, it helps to keep your fuel tank from building up pressure. It helps with your fuel economy. And there, there are a lot of benefits to it, but I mean, do we really need to have eight lines and five solenoids and charcoal canisters and? Definitely not. I'm just saying. Definitely not. Yeah. It's it's just another part of that, the the ever the never ending trend of every new car becomes one step more complicated and more expensive to try to mm-hmm. fix with yeah. more things to fail. You know, looking back on the cars that that I've had and you know enjoy, these cars that are coming out these days are not going to be relevant thirty years from now. 
you know, with all the computer systems that they have in them, with all these redundant, you know, EVAP systems and everything like that. I, I don't mean, they're, like. They're I don't see like cars from the '80s. You still see '80s cars around on occasion. The biggest problem they had was rust. Yeah. But like mechanically, they still they're still fine. Yeah. But like I don't think we're gonna see a lot of 2020 models around in 2050. Nope. They're not gonna last, and, the, and or they're gonna fail in ways where it's like something relatively simple fails but it's so prohibitively expensive because you have to replace an entire assembly at great cost yeah. 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 that it's not worth fixing. I hear you. I, I saw an interesting take on that um, a little while ago that basically said, like, the only cars that you're going to see in that time frame, you know, you know, 2020 cars in 2050 or whatever, are things like, like Lexus and Mercedes and things like that where people can can afford to maintain them the way that they're supposed to be. And and those are the people that are buying, or the, those are the cars that those people are buying. I disagree. With because... Mer- I definitely disagree with the Mercedes one because I've known a couple of guys that have worked at Mercedes dealerships and the people that come in with 10 to 15 year old Mercedes, mm-hmm. they buy the car for 10 grand and something breaks and it costs 10 grand to fix. And they just throw the car away. That's that's fair. Yeah. It just that was a it was a article I read or, mm-hmm. or something like that that just talked about that. That's like, fine. I'm not attacking you personally. I'm just saying. I know. Like as a discussion, I also disagree. But because I feel like, you know, Lexus and Mercedes, those are the cars that have, you know, like your basic standard Ford has 30 computers in it. Your Lexus or your Mercedes is going to have like 50 or 60 because they've got all the specialized like four zone heat and AC and and massaging chairs. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, so, so when those computer systems go bad in five or ten years, those are the cars that the manufacturer, like the aftermarket manufacturers, are not going to be making those piddly little computers for. And because it's a CAN bus system, if you remove that, mm-hmm. like you can, like in the eighties, like if there's something that broke, you could just just remove it, it or, or just leave it broken. Yeah, just leave it, just delete it, and the whole car, the car will yeah. still work. Just yeah. that thing won't work. Yeah. But now it's like everything is so networked together that if one module has a fault in it, the entire car is yeah. just a paperweight. Yeah. I'm thinking of my, uh, I think it was an 86 S, uh, 200SX. I don't remember what year it was. The red one? Yeah. Um, where the, the one with the snow on the turbo yeah, line? Yeah. I had put a digital dash cluster in that car just for, you know, the 80s cool factor. And then I found out, because I found it in a junkyard. And then I found out that those things are worth like $300, $400 oh, yeah. on the forums. So I sold it immediately. And I drove around without... A cluster <laughs> at all in the vehicle for like the, the majority of the time that I owned it. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> and but you you know, that's that is not even re- a reasonable thought on cars these days. Oh every, no, the car just wouldn't every, start. Every system goes through the cluster. You know, if it doesn't see that odometer reading, none of the computers will go through their startup cycle. So like on a, on like a Toyota or a Ford, the aftermarket manufacturers would be making those even smaller modules like the key fob remote entry whatever type things but like for the for the lexuses and the mercedes they're not gonna bother making you know your massaging seat computer module or whatever because it's not cost effective for them so that car is going to be a brick in five or ten years i feel like in my mind, i don't know we could be totally wrong about all this i feel like we're already seeing some of that now with especially german and european cars where like land rovers will have random failures and it costs 
the, the depreciation on them is so severe that it costs the price of the car to fix it. And people just mm -hmm. either they'll, they cough up the money or they just toss away and go buy something else. It's, it's something that we're already seeing because this type of thing has been growing over the last two decades or so. For sure. And I don't think, I don't think anybody has thought about the ecological impact Oh yeah, of that either. Yeah. It's so much better for the environment to keep an old car going yes. than it is to buy a new car. Yes. Everybody's worried about to like, a point. Oh, there is well, a there is a crossover point. Yes. but but everybody's like, oh, smog and like your emissions and all this crap. I mean, just think about how many the amount of emissions that are are being produced by manufacturing to create the car. Five million new oh, cars yeah. every year. Fifty percent. Fifty percent of a car's lifetime emissions are generated by just the, in the manufacturing the process manufacturing. oh my god yeah i think based I, on what, like a 10-year lifespan i i think so yeah wow. i think if, yeah for uh, the last i heard was for a prius to completely for it to be worth buying a prius to offset the emissions yeah you have to drive that car for more than 10 years now priuses and like um uh, Teslas and stuff. Those are special cases, though. Because of all the lithium and the batteries right. and the cobalt and the heavy right. metals. But even just like your standard vehicle, the precious metals that are involved in all the computers and stuff these days. Yeah. Not to mention all the plastics that are... Yeah. All these plastics that are never going to biodegrade that are just going to sit in landfills when they get recycled eventually. Yeah. So, I, gosh, I can't think of who it was now, but... Engineering Explained has done a lot of videos on this very topic. Yeah. Yeah, he has. Yeah, I forgot. I forgot what I was Okay, that's, my fine, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, I might take this opportunity to go grab another beverage. Same. Would anyone else like a beverage? Yes. All right, I'm going to mute all the channels. All right, and we're back with the new beverages. Beverages. Uh, Corey, what are you drinking? You got anything new going on? No, I, I have... Uh, I, I did get some whiskey. I got uh, Jefferson Ocean... Uh, this is a single malt bourbon, I believe, that is uh, aged in barrels that I believe are put on a ship and literally aged at sea. At sea. What? Yeah. Oh, my God. I don't know how that works. Um, Why? Why not? Because it's bougie. And it, it is bougie. It's, it is very expensive. <laughs> it's the most too. basic. I'm glad you acknowledge that. Yeah. Heard of. It's very expensive. Did but you know? It's good. That uh, imperial stouts were named such because that was the only way they could get beer into Russia at winter was to have such high alcohol content okay. that they wouldn't freeze in the ships. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> that is the most Russian thing I've ever heard. I'm saying. <laughs> Pierce, what are you drinking? I've got a Devil's Backbone 8 Point, which is a very basic IPA. It's pretty good. They're not bad. No. They're not bad. I'm drinking a... Outer Banks Brewing Station Lemongrass Wheat Ale. What? Did you did you pick that up when we went down there? Yes. Did you do that on the way home? Maybe. When did, when did you go to? I don't remember. Okay. Um, also, I had a coworker who was in the Outer Banks last weekend. I was like, hey, I posted because a lot of our guys are in North Carolina. I was like, mm -hmm. hey, if, I don't know how far they distribute this. If anybody sees this, can you pick it up? And uh, one of my coworkers picked me up two four packs of it while he was down there. Gotcha. Because he's a pro. Shout out to John. I had a couple of like random car news things that we could talk about. Okay. Uh, none of them are like particularly worthy of extensive discussion, but that might be worth just okay. bringing up. Yeah. The so Hyundai. 
is canceling all Veloster models except for the N. Uh, okay. Which is interesting. That's weird. Is the N... The best one. The best one, yeah. Yeah, okay. it has like 270 horsepower, something no, like that. No way. Yeah, yeah it's like is close it really? to 300. Yeah, oh, it's crap. a lot. Is there is there a model between the N and the turbo? No. I didn't They have so. a base okay. model, a turbo, and then the N. Well, there are at least four models of Veloster. Because I think there's one of them has hubcaps, I believe. I think the uh, base model has an option for hubcaps. Uh, because they're bringing back the N... Elantra? Mm. That was the other thing I wanted to talk about. They're okay. putting the, the Veloster N drivetrain into an Elantra, which I am all here for. Yeah. I actually really miss that the they had the Elantra GT and mm-hmm. for a couple of years, the hatchback. I, I, I really like that car. I wish that they had done like an all-wheel drive. Overseas, they have a... Of uh, course they do. The, the Honda i30, I think it's called. It's like a Honda Fit-sized, Ford Fiesta-sized hatchback. They sell that as an end trim with like 200 some odd horsepower in a six-speed manual as a Hyundai Hyundai i30N overseas, which would be a lot of fun, and I might consider buying one if they brought it here. But you said don't. Honda at the Hun- beginning. I'm sorry, okay. Hyundai. Okay, Hyundai. Gotcha. Hyundai looks Sunday. But yeah, the the Elantra N could be cool because they come with either six-speed manual or a dual clutch uh, transmission, both mm. of which are pretty cool. And the Veloster, or I'm sorry, yeah, the Veloster N is supposedly, if you can find it that's not dealer markuped like yeah. crazy, uh, it's a pretty good bargain. You can get them for like low 30s, and it's like almost Civic Type R performance for 75% of the price. Hmm. I, are there, I haven't seen anything that says that they're going to be all wheel drive. No. They have all wheel drive chassis. Yeah, but I mean, they should. Personally, I would take a well-set-up front-wheel drive car over a kind of mediocreized all-wheel drive car. You can front-wheel drive like people shit on front-wheel drive. It's still a lot of fun. Yeah, so. I agree. But I think that if they wanted, because I mean, when or so when they were selling the Elantra GT and they were touting it as like a GTI competitor, and I feel like I mean the GTI wasn't all-wheel drive, was it? The Golf R is all-wheel right. drive. But if they wanted to. I mean, if they wanted to really like step it up and take it to Volkswagen like that, you know, they could they could do an all wheel drive thing and and like and like really like compete and like be you know really I don't know help the brand a little bit because they're never going to compete with Volkswagen's interior quality. That's where that when you buy a Volkswagen, that's like a GTI. That's what you're really paying for is the interior, like the really nice quiet interior that can just cruise well, at okay. highway speeds, being real quiet. But quiet like, maybe, but I hate and the materials are nicer too. Uh, I, I really dislike the interior setup of the new Volkswagens. I have not been in any. Uh, the most recent Volkswagen I've been in was Corey's GTI, mm-hmm. which is what, a 12? It's a 15? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, the Veloster, from the Veloster Wikipedia page. The Veloster lineup includes the base Veloster, the Veloster 2.0 Premium, the Veloster Turbo R Spec, the Veloster Turbo, and the Veloster Turbo Ultimate. There is also a high-performance N version. So six. That's too many. Apparently. That makes sense why they're consolidating down, but mm. not eliminating everything but the N seems yeah. a bit crazy because the N starts at like thirty grand. they are not super cheap. But they have other hatchback-y vehicles like the Hyundai Venue. 
is oh, yeah. basically the same car, but it's a little bit more spacious. So I and sc- the Kona, we can't forget the Kona. I scrolled mm. down a little bit to like the the actual chart with like the the graph thing for the, all the models, and there the models are the these are all the uh, Greek letters new uh, 2.0 MPI Kappa two 4.1 TGDI the Gamma two 1.6 TGDI. <laughs> <laughs> the Theta 2.02 TGDI. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, it's very confusing is what I'm trying to say. I think what this means is that there is the base uh, two turbo versions and the N version. In Apparently, in 2020... there I know, And I know there's a... On top of the N, there is a further performance pack that you can buy that has, like, a torque vectoring differential mm-hmm. and all kinds of other fun stuff on it. So, in 2020, they put an eight-speed automatic in the in it i i guess mm-hmm. it, not in the n unless dct means something else dct is dual clutch hyundai has an eight speed transmission right now that has tons of problems yeah the the veloster n only comes in it might it might be an eight speed dct but it's a dual clutch or manual there's yeah. no like standard automatic yeah, yeah. Option. So, so there's a dual clutch or a six speed option the Dual clutch is a full second and a bit faster to 100 kilometers an hour. That doesn't surprise me. I mean, it probably shifts like crazy stupid fast. I know. It's just It just seems wild. Anyways, sorry. I was deep in the Wikipedia rabbit hole there. No, that's cool. Interesting uh, article that I was reading earlier today about how the Ford got the F-150 Lightning, the upcoming electric version of the F-150, to be of similar price point to the gas version. It's exactly what you would expect. It's just mass production. Uh, they're sharing all of those batteries and motors with future SUV electric options. Just, okay. It's pretty cool because it's the system working in the best way. Paul. It's a good example of how the system works in a positive way. Where So like somebody just coming in off the street looking for an F-150 could be like, I'm looking at this base Ford F-150 or here's a hybrid version. Maybe not for... the base because I think it starts in the upper 40s for the Lightning. But like if you're looking at a mid-range F-150, the Lightning is comes with similar options hmm. at a relatively similar price point. And I think that's pretty cool because I'm a big fan of electric trucks. I think it's a great application for that. I agree. The other thing I had was the, the new Mazda SUV that's going to replace the CX-5 is going to be powered by an inline six, which they've had patented for a while. Mazda's had a patent out for an inline six motor for like five or six years now. Since 2018. Yeah. Wow. Um, Cause they were, they filed the patent at the same time as they filed the patent for the chassis for the RX vision. Yeah. So that was actually, it may have been older ago. than that. Yeah. 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 It's going to be a rear biased all wheel drive CX, I think the speculation is that it's going to be called the CX-50. Mm. And then the upper, the bigger one's going to be the CX-90. Interesting. They're super creative over at Mazda, apparently. Yeah, well. But I think that's cool. More straight sixes is a good thing. Yeah, no, that's awesome. What do they hope to accomplish with that, though? Mazda is trying desperately to go up market and see themselves as more of a Lexus than a Toyota competitor. Hmm. Um, You can kind of see this in their current lineup, the current gen Mazda 3. They kind of tried really hard, especially with the interior. And they've been upping their interior game significantly over the last decade or so. Even the the 3s and the CX-30s, I think, is the little SUV. 
The they CX-30 are, is the Mazda 2-based crossover, yes. Yeah. They're very, very nice cars. Yeah. My, my mom has a CX-9 and a Mazda 6 that she bought, both brought, bought new. And the interior on both of those, yeah. it's a really nice place to be. And they're, the new cars, like from 2020 and 2021, are only getting better. I mean, just every year, it's, it's more features, nicer just... Materials. Well, nicer materials, but like the, the presence of the cabin... It's just it has a, a more comfortable feeling, like how it's laid out. Yeah, yeah. It's not so like even even Lexus has sort of overcomplicated things where there's just too many buttons and switches. Yeah, but Mazdas have a lot of the same features that just they're not distracting. Yeah, like Lexus tried to go all in on that that mouse pad technology. Yeah. Oh no, my it's God. garbage. Yeah, hot yeah. garbage. Yeah. I just. I know that I'm not alone when I say this, but just give me a physical button. I'm saying. But you can, so BMW is doing that, and the end result is a center console with 58 buttons on it. You can't find anything that you need in a hurry. It's like 1997 all Nothing over is again. where it's supposed to be. Nothing is relevant, and it's just frustrating. That's fair. That's, That's there's a really good video on YouTube from probably five or six years ago at this point where it's a Mazda design engineer talking about how they designed their, it's not really necessarily the multimedia interface, but it's that little click wheel that they have in the center console. Yeah. They designed it specifically so that you could navigate menus because like eventually intuitively you you remember where things are so you kind of be like oh the thing i want is three clicks to the right you enter th- two clicks to the left enter and that they intention very intentionally designed the entire interface like that so that you wouldn't have to take your eyes off the road go to a touch screen mm-hmm. push a button push a button push a button like you do on a lot of cars which i absolutely hate yeah, yeah. it drives me crazy yeah it's like using an an old iPod, you know, yeah. you, you knew like clicks and, and yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. The tech tacticality or whatever. Tactile feedback. Yeah. Yep. And a lot of the, like the, like the touchpad, the mouse pad thing that you were talking about and like touch screens, they'll lock you out of while you're moving. Yeah. Of yeah. A lot of features while the car is moving. And it's like, all I want to do is like change from like FM to Bluetooth or whatever. And you can't even do that while you're moving. The new, the C8 Corvette actually kind of copied the Mazda design, but I think in an interesting way where the Mazda design is just a knob in the middle of the center console that obviously rotates. And then also you push down on it to like click to enter your selection. Mm -hmm. The Corvette has a version where you rest your palm on this leather pedestal and your fingers dangle down and that's how you articulate the knob. It's, it's freaking awesome. Like the... Uh, what movie was it where he had the glove that he was doing? <laughs> Minority oh, Minority Report. Report. My, yeah, Minority Report. Sort of. I mean, yeah, you're just, but it's like where you would put your hand on the center console anyway, mm-hmm. and your palm is resting on this nice little <laughs> stitched leather thing, and then your fingers are manipulating the selector knob, and uh-huh. it's it's really cool, and I like it a lot. Do you remember that picture that came out when it might have even been like an XKCD comic or something like that that was. Uh, when the Xbox Connect first came out, and it was like what I thought Xbox Connect was going to be like, and it's like the dude in the chair, <laughs> and it's like the Matrix screen in front of him with all the like like Cortana, do blah blah blah, whatever, and then, and then like the next panel is like is like him just like waving his arms around. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. 
Do you know this picture, Beers? I don't. Oh my god, I gotta find it. It's There's so an good. XKCD comic for everything. Yeah, was that XKCD? I, I'm pretty. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. I all I can think of is that soul crushing Star Wars Just Dance game. <laughs> oh my god, what? What? The Connect. It's like you. It's the Just Dance for Connect, but it's like the Star Wars version. So you're like doing the hula with like Carbonite Han Solo. Oh my god, it's unbelievable. And uh, the what's her name? The Jabba's Palace slave dancer. It's like behold the future of gaming. Fantastic. I'll never forget when that system first came out. I think maybe it was for the PlayStation version. Uh, the like iView. iView or whatever it was. But there was a video that got posted to YouTube of a guy who was doing a racing game. And like the point of the visual system is it's supposed to track your hands, right? So he's just sitting on the edge of his couch, just sitting there, compl- holding completely still, not moving the whole time he's doing this race. And he wins. He, he comes in first place. He, he doesn't steer or anything with his hands at all. And the car is just totally going... Have you played any Forza games? No. No? Okay. When you start... The Forza Motorsport. I don't know Horizon because I don't play that arcade crap. But (laughs) on the Forza Motorsport games, the first race you do has like all the assists turn on and you can't turn them off yet. And that's basically what it's like. You just push the gas pedal and don't touch any other buttons (laughs) and you win. Like it's the stupidest thing in the world. Maybe that's what it was. What you got... uh, your, Corey is He's like tapping furiously on his phone. I'm trying desperately to find this comic and I cannot find it. Lightning, Hyundai Veloster, Mazda CX-50. So we had talked about possibly a, a topic that we, you guys thought we could do an entire podcast on, but I don't know about all that, about the most mediocre car ever made, right? or at least within I, I, living memory. I, I, yeah, I say 25 years. Okay. Or, or thereabouts. So I looked, I Googled it. I was like, what is the most wow. mediocre car ever? And like... None what of a, them really. None of cheater. them really hit me. I, I I had a I had one right off the bat. Okay, but we'll talk about that later. Obviously, the first thing that came to my mind that's also on this list of like one of the worst cars ever is the PT well, Cruiser. But I no. did not think of that because someone actually put a lot of effort into the styling. Well, here, so it's not the but, most mediocre. But we're car. not talking about the worst car ever. Yes, we're talking exactly. about the most mediocre car. That's ever. why I didn't pick it because right. someone put genuine effort well, into trying to style that thing. But even look. aside from that, it's literally like physically revolting, and therefore cannot be meh. You know, as far as like a boring car goes, the PT Cruiser does not qualify. Okay, Pierce. because it's. What do you it's think? It's like stunningly unattractive. What what in your head when you say what is the most mediocre mediocre car ever made? What is your criteria that you're thinking of to judge this car by? When this topic was brought up, I immediately like I, I began thinking of every Nissan, every Hyundai. Just, These are some broad strokes, right? Because they're all bad cars, but in the in the thought process. You know, as as I was trying to like figure out like which was the worst one, it I sort of like got in my own head and I was like, well, it can't be any Nissan or any Hyundai because they're not boring. They're all plagued with significant issues 
that like when they leave you on the side of the road, you know, that's kind of an exciting event. You know, so you're that's, going with like Jeremy Clarkson's Alfa Romeo mental head. Not even here. not even Alfa Romeos because they're exciting in the sense that they could they're literally a time bomb. This is literally Jeremy Clarkson's Alfa Romeo argument. Everyone should art hold should have owned an Alfa Romeo because they're exciting, even if that means the excitement is them leaving you stranded on the side of the road. So that's what I'm saying. Like you can't have the world's most boring car can't also be the worst car. But the criteria wasn't cars... boring. The criteria was mediocre. So when I right. when so, when when that was brought up in conversation, my thought was what is the car that the manufacturer put the absolute bare minimum least effort into creating? Yeah, or or has like I, I don't want to say no redeeming qualities, but like is so just like who who cares? Like yeah, sure. You know, nobody yeah. is ever excited when they see one. Yes, it's not interesting to drive. Yes, it's not. Yes, uh, you know, I I I I'll give a pass to like mechanical problems because like I feel like engineering I, is separate I, well, from this discussion. But if you open it yeah. up to engineering problems, then or like mechanical problems, I mean that that widens the field almost impossibly. Oh, you know, for sure. Because, I mean, because then you could lump in every Hyundai ever. Because they're all... And every Alfa Romeo ever. Right. Yeah. So, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, can, can, I, can I tell you what car I thought of that, Please that spawned do. this conversation? Yes. The third generation, so from like 2002 to 2006 or something like that, Nissan Altima. In oh, like, that's a good in like one. In like champagne color. <sighs> yeah. Because they had like almost color matched interiors that were just like so boring and, and their seats were like rigid 90 degree angles and I feel like everything you're saying could be applied to every Nissan Altima ever. That's that's fair, but at least the new newer ones look interesting. Mm, yeah. Ish. Like, yeah, like okay. some people could think that that is a very good looking car. Someone somewhere put some effort into designing the exterior yeah, of that which car. Which I do not feel like is true of that of that third generation Altima. Fair. It's like especially in like that that champagne colored mm-hmm. like oh, that's the three worst. quarters of them came in. Matt Farah calls that I don't Matt Farah calls that Jewish racing gold. Wow. Oh, no. <laughs> Which is the most hilarious thing in the world to me. Oh, no. That's so terrible. It's the best. It's so good. It's so bad. <laughs> I want to disagree with you because I know that... I don't know specifically about that version of the Altima, but I know that Nissans have always had, like... I mean, constantly throughout their life, like After like every, 1998, it seems like every version of every Nissan has always had like one significant issue that makes them a crap car. I don't, I don't. Uh, that is a fair argument, but I don't think that that specifically negates the fact that it is such a mediocre car. Yeah. I definitely wouldn't look twice at it as it went down the road. All right. So what do you, is that? Yeah. I have several thoughts, arguments. Go for it. with one. We're here for uh, it. Oh, he's pulling out the notebook, folks. Notebook. So one, the the first one that entered my mind was so, so significantly insignificant that I don't even know what it is. My grandfather owned a Chrysler when he lived in Richmond with us. You can just stop right there. <laughs> but it was 
so um it was it was like a dynasty maybe or like uh it was a four-door sedan it was had, it one of the k cars uh, yeah it was like the a k chassis but it wasn't called like it wasn't the k like you know for a while well, in the 80s the, they were called k cars kind but, of it was a k platform yeah so i think yeah and Chrysler. it was still the same chassis basically i think it was a dynasty sure marshall marshall jones's brother had one for oh a while. yeah Oh, I know exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you can't remember what it was, do you? Doesn't matter. But I, it does because does. that's what that's why it's such a <laughs> mediocre car. They don't they don't break down. Yeah. They don't look significant. They don't get particularly good fuel mileage, so they're this not was going to be part manner. of my answer. It was every American car from 1974 <laughs> to 1998. It yeah. was just mediocre, absolute fucking garbage. So, so I feel like, th- so this is why I gave the qualifier of like in the last 25 years, because yeah. you could basically pick any car made by Chrysler for in that period. No, you can't pick any car. Cause it, like near, pretty much. No, the LeBaron was significant because it was a convertible that made it desirable to a lot of people. Wow, uh, they did a thing that car manufacturers have been doing since the 40s. But then like every other version of every other Dodge car came in some turbocharged model that also made them desirable and like cool you know but quotes. it wasn't good though it doesn't mean it doesn't it doesn't need to be good it just mean it like to be mediocre would be to be unremarkable right which does not have positive nor negative connotations exactly so if there's like a turbo version of the car that yeah. immediately disqualifies it. So, but does it though? Because like yes. there's still a base model. Like the the doesn't ne- matter. The neon is a terrible car. Yeah, Fair. the neon SRT4. Right. Is, also is remarkable. Right. Did you know that they made a Nissan or a Nissan Neon ACR? Yes. Specifically for SCCA club racing. There no, were like 1,200 of them or something. That does not. There's not more than that. More? But it's a it's a non-turbo neon that has like base model everything else, but it has the twin cam motor and a, they're really good cars. Uh, that's cool. That's cool. But even the neon can't be counted because they were such garbage ass cars. Like, okay, that, that's the normal that's neon. Fair. But, I, that's, but I, I mean, just in the fact that like art, can you disqualify the entire chassis if only a specific model was well, cool. So, yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. Because I, I mean, the PT is Cruiser is a neon. Right. But my argument, like, so I... But, but that's, one you, of that's my your first, argument, that if, if there is a cool model of that... If there's a cool of version that, of yeah, that yeah, yeah. car, it can't be considered. Okay. Okay. That's so, fair. Like, mm, one, that's fair. one option that I was considering was the Dodge Shadow, but they made a Dodge Shadow in a Shelby version. So, obviously, that's a cool car. Yeah. So, not... Did that have, like, that old... Two liter turbo, whatever they I had back in the know. day. I honestly, have it no doesn't idea. matter. It's ma- it has Carol Shelby's name yeah. on it. <sighs> that doesn't uh, mean much anymore. Well, but there's did. a lot of really shitty Shelby Mustangs. I'm with not Carol Shelby's I, name. I'm on not it. saying that you're wrong, but I'm saying that it has his name on it, and that makes it remarkable. Mm-hmm. I. That's all I I'm saying. I can't really argue with that, I guess. I have several other considerations Go here, for it. but I'd like to hear about what Jordan has. Well, every I said every American car from 1974 to 1998, but my biggest one was the Plymouth Breeze because mm-hmm. it is a rebadged version of a rebadged version of a Chrysler Cirrus, which is like the least remarkable vehicle that's ever existed on the planet of Earth. And I'm going to tell you why you're wrong, because that <laughs> chassis was literally branded as the new age dodge and you can't have 
a mediocre car be called new age? It doesn't count. Ha, I, what? It's what? When that car was like released, it was you know. They I'm were, pretty sure eighty percent of the sales of that car were for rental fleets because it was so <laughs> like. Nobody wanted it. It was so boring. They were so like angular and the Cirrus. Yeah, they were literally called like the, the cutting edge or the new age. The Dodge Chrysler. version, which okay, was the mar- marketing, is like a different question but, altogether. The I'm, Dodge version, which was like the the I forget what the Dodge the Dodge version was the Stratus. The Dodge Stratus. The Dodge yeah. Stratus was the least awful version of them in terms of looks, but like the Chrysler Cirrus. The Plymouth Breeze, like, they're just the worst. Yeah, and they can't be a mediocre car if they're bad. I just disagree with you, I guess, on a fundamental level. <laughs> See, this is why we tried to define the word mediocre before we started this conversation. The, I, so, look, the least amount of effort put into... Mediocre. The least amount of effort that an automaker put into building the car. Chrysler said, well, we've got the Cirrus. Let's just make it cheaper and put... Plymouth badges on it. That's the Plymouth Breeze. Also, the any other badge engineered car, like the Chrysler Conquest, which is just a st- Mitsubishi Sterion with yeah. Chrysler badges on it. Like well, that's it, pretty mediocre. Are you literally telling me right now that the Conquest is a mediocre car? No, the Conquest is a great car, okay. but it was it took zero effort for Chrysler to make because they literally just took another car and put other badges on it. Well, they owned Mitsubishi at that point. They did not own Mitsubishi. Well, they, they were had, they or whatever. Were, they I mean, made a an agreement to okay. co-produce these cars. So my other my other entry into this category is any of the mid-tier Chevy crossovers from like the last eight years. Or more, yeah. The, the, um, Does anyone even know what they are? Well, like the Equinox, the tracks, <laughs> the the tracks is such the tracks, a terrible right, vehicle. Exactly, which is why it can't be considered for this argument. I don't. The I tracks, don't know that. How does that disqualify it by being a terrible vehicle? Because, because it's because not because mediocre. It's not boring. It's shit. Because you know that it's a terrible vehicle. Yes, and you mm. know that it's going to explode on you at one point. So, so the Nissan Versa is a pretty compelling argument then because it's, no, it's not, not a terrible vehicle. It's it just... is it is a garbage. What are you talking <laughs> about? It's possibly the worst of all the Nissans. The Versa was the Nissan that Nissan forgot about. <laughs> they literally they went they were like, "All right, we need Here we go. No, they were All right, so Nissan came or Peugeot came to Nissan or however however it worked out. They were like, First all right, of all, we it's need, a Renault. Ren- oh, sorry. Sorry. Renault. <laughs> They were like, look, we need a car that we can sell at the Dollar Tree. What do you got? And Nissan was like, well, here's some leftover parts that we molded into the shit, like a rough shape of a car. Like the door locks don't work sometimes. The engines fall out on occasion. But this is what we got. You can sell it for 11 grand. The Versa might be the most exciting Nissan ever yeah. in a negative sense. <laughs> you heard it your first. So how, how do you feel about the Chevy Aveo? More exciting than the GTR. <laughs> oh, so much more exciting than the GTR. <laughs> the GTR works. Oh, well, until you leave the transmission on the ground. Shh. Oh, I'm so, I'm so Only sorry. in the first like two model years. Oh my god, that was so funny. <laughs> uh, wasn't the wasn't the Versa literally the least expensive car you could buy for a very long time? It was after the Chevy Aveo was discontinued. Well, but for. For a long time, it was the Hyundai Accent. In like 2008 through 2011, you could get a Hyundai Accent for $8,000. Really? Yeah. New. Now it's the Mitsubishi. um, 
What's the small Mitsubishi? Oh, Mirage. Yeah, the okay, Mirage. Talk about a crap ass vehicle. But dude, if you need a brand new car with a warranty, yeah, I mean that's not the worst thing in the world. <sighs> I mean, but isn't it though? I, mean, I would never buy one. I would buy like a ten-year-old Toyota because it's just as reliable as a yeah. brand new Mitsubishi. <laughs> So what no, I'm sorry. I'm trying to remember where we were. Uh, you were talking about what were you talking about? I don't even the remember. Chevy Equinox. Oh, okay, the Equinox Oof, yeah. specifically. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna have to disagree with you because they're also largely crap. That's that's uh, fair, but like I, I feel like like in in the, in this how ca- are you, I feel like you have to define mediocre as like the manufacturer put as little effort as possible into the no. design and manufacturing. A of mediocre this car is one that you would forget about. Like you don't you don't maintain it. It's not exciting in any way. So That's most mediocre. Lexus and Toyota products and Honda products, except honestly. that they they can't be counted because like most Toyotas get you know semi decent fuel mileage. So they're desirable in the sense that, like, if you wanted a good car that lasts a long time, like a Toyota Corolla, like from like '96. Sure, that's that's a car that somebody would go shopping for, like intentionally. I took this discussion topic to mean something that, like, would just kind of come around, and you'd be like, "Yeah, okay," like maybe the first car that your parents gave you, or your so a 1993 Chevy you. Lumina. That's on my list, actually. Really? That's the next car that's on my list is the... Uh, Whatever platform that was. Specifically the 95 to 01 Lumina. Because... I think that's the second gen. I, so Third gen, I believe. In, in, this, in this discussion of mediocrity, I feel like... This mediocre discussion of mediocrity. Uh, I feel like you can... You, it's, like, it's not... I don't think any one point can disqualify a car. You know what I mean? Like... I, I think it's I think it's a range. I think you have you have some some mobility in the like like it may be a crap car, but like it's also there can be a balance of, of the scale, you know what I mean? Okay. And 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 I feel like your line of it is just a shitty vehicle is a little prejudiced. Yeah. <laughs> so like because you're exposed to it, you know. But Yeah. But like who has ever been excited about a Chevy Equinox? Literally no one. Well, That's but the, what I'm saying. The Equinox came in an SS. And too many people bought them. Not the Honestly, SS, but... what, 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 what drivetrain was in that? The SS? It had yeah. the Honda J engine. What? But, yeah, it had the Honda V6. I know the View Redline had that. Yeah. Is it the same thing? Same. That's kind of cool, Except actually. the Equinox didn't have a manual option, I don't think. I don't think the View Redline did either. It did. It yes, did. What? Did. Yeah. Yeah. You can Those get a manual cool. view, yeah. view red. Those I need to get on cool freaking Auto Trader right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're I very love cool Saturn, cars. man. Yeah, Saturn, Saturn was yeah. the best. Saturns were really, really underrated until they became like you know specifically just badge engineered Chevys. But like when they were doing like the SLs and SCs and mm-hmm. you know all those cool plastic cladded coops yeah. and wagons and stuff those were those were neat cars they were I, terrible but yeah they, they were cool they were really cool i don't even know if i necessarily agree that they were terrible because they were relatively reliable like they got okay fuel economy they mm-hmm. had twin cam engines which was futuristic technology for chevy in 2005 
a lot like, of the issues that came from the Saturns of that era were that they were just made cheaply. Mm-hmm, so like fair. you never really knew what was going to go wrong at any given point. They were also like the main test bed for the Ecotech motors, I yeah, yeah, recall, yeah, which yeah. are genuinely great engines. Yeah. The um, Ecotech that came in the L200 that I had had the, quote, hot cam option <laughs> <laughs> specifically in that car. It's like they used okay. it in that before they put it in the Cobalt SS. It had like six more horsepower or something. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> What's really funny, I remember that car, you would open the hood and look at it and be like, oh holy God. crap, there's so much room in this engine bay. And you then we realized there was a V6 option. Yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, that makes yeah, sense. You could stand in the engine bay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I missed that car. I saw one the other day and I was like, oh. Yeah. It's a genuinely fun car. It was a good car. So what car is next on your list? Well, my... Father got wind of what we were going to be talking about. He wanted me to mention the Ford Fairmont. When it was originally released, it was like a four-cylinder, four-door sedan. It just looked like the most basic box, boring-ass, Sears-ordered car. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it was like a front-wheel drive, four-cylinder. But then like, as it got older, it turned into the Ford LTD which was based on the Fox body chassis and actually turned out to be like a really badass car. So I don't think we can count that in the argument. So shout out to my dad. Sorry. But the next car that I have on my list is the 04 to 2012 Mitsubishi Galant, the last generation of the Mitsubishi Galant. I cannot picture that in my head. Exactly. I agree. Exactly. That's a good. It doesn't have, I think they, there, there were no special models. I'm pretty sure that they all came with hubcaps. I'm pretty sure the only generation of Gallant that came in any sort of special edition was the one that you could get the VR4 in. There were two like... generations of VR4. Were there? Yes. Okay. The generation before this one and then the generation before that. Like the early 90s because it was pre-Evo was the Gallant VR4. Okay. So it was like 91. That's maybe. fair. So the, the 04 to 12 Gallant, I mean, it remained completely unchanged through the life of its production. It was mostly plastic. They didn't get particular. They didn't do anything particularly well. They Could weren't... one make the same argument for the Nissan Frontier? The Frontier pickup? Yeah. No. It's been the same since like 2001. I feel like just automatically pickup trucks are excluded. Yeah. They're Fair useful. Enough. Okay. Yeah. They're desirable. Because, because they're useful. For the same reason that, like, I, I, you know, I was considering, like, the Dodge Caravan, but it's a mm-hmm. minivan. But it's so, a minivan, so yeah. it's automatically yeah. cool. Yeah. 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 Well, not cool, but, like, well, useful. I mean, sort of cool. It has a use yeah. case. It has a use. That's yeah. fair. You know, there was a certain point in, like, high school when I knew, like, three people who had Mitsubishi Galants, and they just drove them. They never, they, like, never even replaced the tires on them. Like, they had AC, and that was it. There was a radio and AC. Cool. That's a really good answer. That's a that's a pretty good answer. I, I yeah. like that. Yeah. I like that. Do you have another one? I couldn't think of another one better than the Plymouth Breeze. Honestly, my the first thing that my brain went to was the PT Cruiser, but the styling, some as awful as it is, someone put a lot of work into trying to make that thing kind of look like a certain vision. And it was mm-hmm. weird enough that some people really, really liked them. Oh, my God. Like, yeah. There, there was, was an a, insane... A huge following for the yeah. PT yeah. Cruiser. Yeah. But also, did you guys know that the convertible PT Cruiser with the top down, the two-door convertible PT Cruiser with the top down accidentally has like a 0.3 coefficient of drag. 
It's actually like super <laughs> aerodynamic. Sure. Yeah. It probably also has the chassis rigidity of well, overcooked spaghetti. That's irrelevant. I mean, it's not irrelevant. I remember reading about like a road and track article where they, they like discovered that it accidentally had like a crazy drag coefficient. So they were trying to justify it on track. And it just, I mean, it, did, no. it didn't work out. But, no. you know, Mm-mm. yeah. It's going to be a yeah. for me, dog. Yeah. I remember back in the day, my dad had one as a rental car. Not a convertible, just a regular PT Cruiser coupe. He had one as a rental car for some business reason. We drove around the block in it, and I was like, I've never been in a car that had so much body roll mm. that was also so jarring and uncomfortable over bumps. Like, it was super stiff and super soft at the same time in the worst ways of both. The Volvo S60 convertible is that car for me. Yeah. The most uncomfortable experience I've ever had driving a car. S really an S sixty. Yes. This was like didn't Jackie's dad have two of those S sixty convertibles? I'm pretty sure he had two red S sixty convertibles at the same time back in the day. I have no idea. It was loud. It was stiff in like the most uncomfortable sense, and just the most wobbliest car around a turn. How do you mess that up? Like, like how do you have such soft the car? How do you have such soft, wallowy suspension that is also super uncomfortable over bumps at the from same a, time? From a Volvo, which it's is crazy. Like one of the most over engineered cars ever. You know, all Volvos yeah. have been yeah. super high quality since like the early 90s, I guess. I don't know. Did you have another car? No. Okay. No. I, so, had, I had the Equinox and the, uh, the Altima. Was my, my immediate winner in my mind was the 92 to. Or, no, that can't be. Well, okay, so like the round, the first round version of the Ford Taurus. That was on my list. Like yeah, they yeah, were yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Like the first gen SHO body style. It's just uh, a jelly on, bean. Me, yeah. 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 I mean, it's just. That I, has the worst interior design of yeah. any car I've ever Terrible. seen. Okay, so I've never been in one, so I, I don't know. Um, yeah, okay, so this is. Yeah, 92 to 95. That's remarkable. That's even more remarkable to me that this car only was only produced for three years because they were literally everywhere. Let me see. Oh, okay. I'm thinking of the generation after that, actually. Yeah, the generation after this was the um, like the really round one with the round headlights, yeah. and that car was... I thought that's the one you were talking about. So a second, no. like the second gen SHO. The second generation Taurus is what yeah. I'm specifically talking about. The first generation looked more like a Tempo. Yeah, had like the, almost like rectangular headlights. Yeah, yeah. And the second generation was the one that I mean, it just it's this one. Oh, I was thinking that was a first gen. No, this is the second generation. Okay, yeah. what's the first gen look? The like? first gen looks like a tempo. Oh, okay. So this, I, I, in my head, I'm picturing the third gen, the jelly yeah. bean. Yeah, car. The that's je- what I thought. The too. actual jelly bean like round headlight car was not boring enough because it wasn't like it had a lot of its own issues that in my mind make it not allowed to be qualified for mediocrity yeah however this taurus came in the sho which was kind of cool absolutely so the sheer number of the base taurus the sho was only like a couple thousand cars it wasn't a lot i feel like the jelly bean car was the one so that, much worse that that were that were everywhere. See, yeah, I yes, agree. I I hear you, but the second the second generation Taurus paved the way for that third generation Jelly Bean. That's because like the second generation Taurus 
was so prevalent and so widespread. There were a ton of those. That I, I feel like everybody went out and got the third generation, mm-hmm. and then they died out like immediately because mm-hmm. they had head gasket issues, they had transmission issues. Mm-hmm. Even the SHOs had some pretty significant yeah. issues. Mm-hmm. But the second generation cars, like they didn't get particularly good gas mileage. They weren't they, good at anything. Exactly. But they didn't need a lot of work. They were. They didn't need to be constantly They were probably really cheap to buy. Right. I feel like everybody I know had one or was driving one at some point. You What's know? the Ford? Was it, It's not the Windstar. What's the Ford van? There was the Aerostar. The Aerostar. The and the Freestar. The Aerostar. the Aerostar was the first minivan that they had, and it was actually rear-wheel drive. Yes. Yeah. That's the one I'm thinking of. Those things were everywhere and then they just all after like 15 they hit the 15 year mark and they just all fell off the face of the earth except for rex vickens who somehow lives on yeah it does it's like 80 percent expandable foam by volume nice. but that's okay they had issues with the rear leaf spring shackles rusting off of or the like yeah. the where the leaf spring i think attached. every four even like the the what's the the aerostar the main line ford minivan that mm-hmm. competed with the town and country had a ton of rust issues i remember those had they had like that was the free big, star at that point yeah the huge recalls for for mm-hmm. especially rear mm-hmm. axle rust yeah yeah at that point yeah yeah the taurus is interesting but the, it sold so well mm-hmm. like there are there were so many of them that it was like it was Ford was just like printing money. Yeah. With them. Oh, yeah. It was just like a cash cow for them. Yes. To do whatever they wanted. I, I for forever. firmly believe that that car allowed Ford to build like the GT40 mm-hmm. and like just do like the crazy shit. That and like that's what doing. that's what allowed the Mustang to stay a rear wheel drive yeah. platform instead yeah. of going to the Pro platform. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That the the Ford Taurus was what allowed Ford to do like basically whatever they wanted for like a long time. You know the just the money that they the, the revenue that they generated from that car specifically for three model years that makes it even more significant in my mind so yeah. i mean maybe that makes it not a mediocre car it's actually a fairly significant car i guess yeah. <laughs> now that we think now, about that, it. now that i've been talking about it you know yeah. i kind of i, I don't I'm know not sure that i, I can say that because you kind of disqualified a bunch of stuff earlier by saying if there was a higher end yeah. more exciting version of it the sho was a pretty cool exciting version of that car yeah like even to this day like somebody would go look for that third generation or second generation sho absolutely yeah and it's the last generation sho i think the last generation sho you can get with a manual transmission i'll take your word for it interesting the first and last no the there were three generations of sho right but that was the first generation of sho and if that was the last one with the manual transmission you may have been able to get a jelly bean sho with the manual but i know you can't get the current like the police car version of the sho with a manual Was there something else? What was the other thing we were going to talk about? I feel like we had another thing. Well, so who wins? Yeah, I don't know. I, I yeah, kind are, of... are there any winners in that? Or did group? we all just lose? <laughs> I think I think the world as a whole just lost. No, I, the Taurus definitely doesn't win most mediocre car because it, as we have discussed, actually kind of had a pretty significant mm-hmm. impact. Right. So it's got to be the Mitsubishi Galant then, right? I I won't necessarily disagree. It's the Galant or it's the Altima. I still like the Plymouth Breeze, but that's just me. I I hate I hate that Chrysler era 
that's, so much. That's yeah. reasonable. But They're that's so what, terrible. That's why it can't be mediocre. But so many people had them. It's almost like the tourists. They were everywhere yeah. for so long until they hit that 120,000 miles and the transmission fell at the bottom of them. Yeah. Yeah, that was... I do, do we Do we, like, put a poll out or something? Nobody's going to vote on that. No, uh, well, listen, I can dream, okay? Yeah. So that was... The most boring segment we've ever done. I don't know about that. I, I had a lot of fun talking about that. Do we yeah, want? I could, I could, I could pick out a number of other vehicles and continue. I was gonna say, but do you have anything that's been happening to you recently in your personal car life? No, I haven't. I haven't touched any of my cars for a while. I mean, I me me too. It's yeah. been, it's been so freaking hot. I cannot bring myself to go get in that garage and turn some wrenches on that. Thing. I understand. I can't yeah. do it. Well, for me, it's more about just like finding the time and having money. Also, you know, all my stuff is actually working. You know, the the cars that that are running are well, which is all of them actually, which is are running pretty good. Massive props because that has not <laughs> been the case for yeah. quite like well, some there were time. the like for the entirety of my car owning life, I've almost always had at least one car that didn't run or wasn't roadworthy. But as of what two twenty nineteen, I guess even all five of the vehicles that I own are titled, inspected, registered, and street legal. Hey. Yeah. Was and it like R- RX-7, running, so. RX-7 Suburban, mm-hmm. Corona? Mm-hmm. Suzuki Swift, and oh, yeah. Honda CRV. Oh, man. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, good for you. Yeah. That's, that's so. a, honestly, that's like a really big deal because you had a pretty rough, like you always were that guy that had like a thousand cars and two of them ran yeah. for so long. Yeah. And I guess technically the, the RX-7 isn't like street legal i need to i need to just go ahead and get like antique plates for it yeah my my inspection on the forerunner expired in july of 2020 oh sweet yeah what are you waiting for uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine it's fine you know what? it's fine it's fine when you saw that gti Corey, i don't know man i don't want to talk about it <laughs> Just, I'm just gonna keep. I'm gonna keep bugging you. I know it's because you're a good friend. I, know, I try. <laughs> I just, I want to see you in an ND Miata so bad. Yeah, everybody's buying one. Steve just got I one. Know he did. He just got a white one <sighs> or a gray. I'm not sure what color it is. Are you trying to sell the GTI? Or are you not trying to fix it anymore? Maybe fix then sell if it'll get more money. Yeah, I'll probably fix it and then sell it. It's just an ignition thing, right? Just need some coil packs. I. Th- think so and probably like all like new fuel at this point yeah probably need to drain it and stuff yeah you don't think it jumped timing again i don't think so i think the updated uh part numbers for those those components don't let it fail in that way right yeah the that whatever it is that that idler pulley or whatever that let it jump uh fails in a different way now if it fails so if it fails it does not hand grenade the engine interesting yeah these are positive changes. Yeah. Cool. I don't know. I, st- I do like that car, though. I still do. But you have, when was the last time you drove it? It's been it? a while. It's been years. Like, is it more than a year since you've yeah. driven that car? Oh, yeah. oh my God. I mean, because all of 2020 happened, and I yeah. feel like that car was has been sitting for at least a year before that. Um, I feel bad if the MR2 sits for more than, like, three weeks at a time. Yeah. Like... If if I had a car that sat for a year, I would have no qualms just selling it and getting something else. Well, I don't know about that. That's I'm I'm saying for me, like because well, you're just you're not using it. Yeah, why have fair. it? You know. Yeah, no, you're you're not wrong. I just I don't know trying to get rid of the car. And somebody somewhere like. will buy that car for well, sure. I mean, do you really want to be the guy that 
only has a RAV4 or a uh, RAV4. No. Yeah, exactly. No, I do not. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> I, I yeah, I don't know. I It's you, not you, a you know, it's not a bad car. No, it's, it's not just a bad not car. a good car. That's that is very true. It is reliable. That is the that is the good thing about yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, you know it's going to take it's going to take Steve coming over here putting me in his ND. Don't and do it. Letting me drive it around. Or actually, no, absolutely do it. Well, <laughs> only if you're prepared to actually pull that trigger. Because I drove, I drove Landon's for like maybe a five minute drive, and I was like, yeah, mm. I one hundred percent. This yeah. is like the best car Mazda's ever made. Yeah, like a hundred percent. They're so pretty, the, and they're they drive just as good as they look. I know it's so I good. Know. I want one so bad. I was I was uh, in a. I might have said this on the podcast last time but uh, i was in a target parking lot with joel we we're like it doesn't matter we, we we're leaving the parking lot and there was a red a red one with the rf hardtop and i pointed at it and i said i'm going to buy one of those one day and she was like what i was like you don't understand <laughs> <laughs> i'm going to buy one of those one day can i can i tell you my mild frustration with the fact that i don't, I don't know if either of y'all follow gears and gasoline on youtube that's not so much recently. They just bought a MR2 Spider. The cheapest. I actually saw this car on Auto Trader. I saw this. They bought the cheapest MR2 Spider on Auto Trader and are now turning it into a track car. And I cannot express to you in human spoken language how jealous I am. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wasn't that a former Pimp My Ride car? I don't know if it was a former Pimp My Ride car, but it is. Whoever had it last did not do it any favors. It's rough, but yeah, I don't. I don't think it was officially a pimp my ride car, but it was. I mean, it was definitely in that like taste of modification for sure. I could have sworn the like title of the article was like, yeah, former pimp my ride well, car. It looks. You know, it looks like it could yeah, have been. I yeah. don't think it was, but okay. I saw the Instagram clip where he was talking about like it's it's a red car and it had like gold stripes all over it like yep. tin foil stripes mm-hmm. all over it because he it wanted had... it to be a Iron Man like theme yes but then his girlfriend with said, Batman logos his on girlfriend it. said that she would not ride in the vehicle unless it had Batman <laughs> like uh, motifs or whatever in it so then it had like it was like all Iron Man with like a Batman emblem yeah. on the front bumper yeah. Mm-hmm. Nope. Yeah, it's it's he he has a whole video of him like taking off all of the old crap that the previous owner had on it. I've never seen fake leather stitching that you put in over dash seams, but that's a thing now. Apparently, is fake leather stitching that goes in over the seams of where dash. Is it like a sticker that looks yeah. like baseball stitching or something? Kind of. I yeah. Can't even I can't even imagine what you're talking about right now. Like, I can't even pull up. It blew my mind when wow. I saw it. That's terrible. That yeah. is terrible. But he, I mean, he's, he's so far, he's taken all the bad stuff off. He's putting wide, nice tires and wheels on it with good brake pads and the stock exhaust back on it. And I, it, it's perfect. And I want it. So I mean, that's, bad. I mean, it's, it just is a race car, right? It doesn't, it's what a two ZZ, right? One ZZ. One ZZ. It's relatively yeah. powerful. It's 135 small. horsepower. So it's yeah. the same motor as a base model Corolla. I mean, it's basically a Lotus, what, Elise? The no, the Elise has a 2ZZ. But okay, but still, though. And it also has double wishbone suspension, which the MR2 doesn't have. The MR2 Spider, 
the best thing that it has going for it is that it weighs like 2,100 yeah. pounds yeah. and it has a more rigid chassis than any other MR2, even though it's a convertible. So it is the best handling MR2 you can buy from stock for stock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was a time when you could get those for a decent price. Not really. No. Uh, the lowest I've ever seen, I almost bought one off of Facebook Marketplace for about $2,500 that had flood damage and had electrical problems because of flood damage. And I didn't care because it was all going to get swapped out anyway. That's the cheapest I've ever seen. Like, they are now going back up and they're well, yeah. now hovering around the ten grand mark, which right. is absolutely ridiculous. But I feel like there was a moment where you could get them for like four or five grand. Yeah. And that's yeah, mm-hmm. okay. That's yeah. that's I mean, for like a for a car that you could basically drive, you know, all week and then on the track on the weekends. I mean that's Yeah. With with basically just a tire, like a tire mm-hmm. you know, tires a and a roll bar. Swap. Yeah. Yeah. You, or you could you could do that or you could get a Porsche. <laughs> yeah, the Porsche Boxster is like the next closest yeah. uh in and, price used mid-engine car that you can buy. And like three times the price. Well, I don't know anymore. The Boxsters are pretty cheap. The first gen early first like a 99 Boxster is pretty cheap cuz Are they, they like $5,000 cheap? You yeah. Oh, really? They're not good. They oh. break a lot. Oh. They have IMS problems. Hmm. So I haven't speaking of Porsche Boxsters and YouTube. I haven't actually watched the video, but do you you know um Wesley Keegan, Kagan, Keegan, whatever his name is. It's the guy that did the, um, he put a Koenigsegg free valve on uh, the Harbor Freight motor. Yes, I know that. And then, and then, uh, then subsequently did it on his Miata. Yes. Yeah. So he built a replica 60s Porsche F1 car out of a Boxster, Hmm. like in his garage. You have my attention. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't watched the video, but it's like, um, it doesn't the 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 clips all like it doesn't have like fairings or anything on it, but it like like if he like crafted like a nine seventeen style fiberglass body to yeah, put over a box, it's just like a bare frame. It's got pushrod suspension. Yeah, it's sweet. Dear God, it, it looks it looks really wild. But apparently, he made see. it out of a, of a boxer. Yeah, if you put uh, if if he made like a fiberglass like nine seventeen Le Mans style fiberglass body for that, that could be the coolest thing ever. Uh, I think, and then later he swapped in a Jaguar V12. I'm sorry, or something like what? That. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that dude's that dude's YouTube channel is insane. It's 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 so wild. Uh, he, in like, I don't know what he does here, but he's some sort of engineer. And you would it's, have to be. It's yeah. it's unbelievable what he's done. He did um he did a his free valve 2.0 motor on the on the um, Harbor Freight motor. And instead of having like a physical valve that moves, or uh, uh, excuse me, it's still a physical valve. Instead of having a like valve that you push open and seals against the head or whatever, he rebuilt the entire head so that there are two discs that spin mm-hmm. and they have a hole in them. And so each disc is controlled by a motor, and one is for intake and one is for exhaust. <laughs> yeah, I know, <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know. I feel like that can't possibly seal as well as a valve, though. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. And he, it was like it was like mostly three D printed, and it was like it only sort of worked. Okay. It was like a proof of concept. Like. Yeah. The, yeah. But it's but it's I crazy. get it. But it's crazy. I'm not an engineer, but <laughs> I'm not a rapper. <laughs> I can't understand how that would be a better design. It is infinitely adjustable. I mean, that's how. So, as far as I mean, like so is Fiat's, duration, uh, free valve. Yeah. Or, yeah. Um, so yeah, like so is so is the solenoid 
thing. Yeah, I so, know. I but, don't know. But he wanted to do something different because okay. he's a wild YouTuber. And, All right. Yeah. I mean, it's, I guess it's like having a butterfly throttle body versus like an old motorcycle, motorcycle style like sliding throttle body. Mm-hmm. Have you seen those? Yeah. 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 I guess it's kind of the same like why do it the same? Maybe there's an advantage here. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think the idea is is literally just that you can control duration and and everything independently and you know it's just, it's the same argument for free valve it just is is a different method i suppose right that doesn't it you don't have to have a spring to force the valve shut again and so you don't have to have an actuator strong enough to push against the spring or subsequently strong enough to pull the valve closed mm-hmm. you know what i mean because if all you have is a spinning disc, there's right. there's no like inertia in the disc, not not in the same way that there is in a valve, especially not in a spring that you yeah. have to push against. You just change how fast that disc is spinning around. Right. I sort of understand that, but I, again, I just don't feel like it could possibly seal as well. Oh no, yeah, probably not. Yeah, probably not. Especially holding in combustion right gases and stuff. Especially like if you like turbocharged it, where oh, it has yeah. to hold in mm-hmm. pressure, like real pressure, yeah. like. No, I, I doubt I doubt that it does, but it's just a cool thing. I don't know. It is it is certainly interesting, yeah. and I mean, you know, why do we do anything ever? Like, what was it I saw the other day? It was like a a rear a rear mounted uh, I forget what the I forget what the vehicle was, but it was some SUV from the eighties. It was like a, a rear mounted twelve uh, cylinder rotary airplane engine. Oh, cool! Uh, yeah, you know, that makes like you know three hundred or four hundred horsepower. Who cares? Why not? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we have this engine and we have this car. Why not? Why not? In a in a slightly more relatable why not type of thinking, a coworker of mine that has the ridiculous S13 uh, has been having problems with the head lifting even with ARP hardware. Uh, the head will lift because he's running like over 30 pounds of boost seeing if it, if the wastegate sticks he sees 50 pounds of boost. Um, he's making 700 horsepower on a KA, which is awesome. Yeah. But he figured out that if he drills out the threads in the block and runs these certain time certs and then runs this certain year Mitsubishi ARP custom age stud, he can run like three millimeter larger studs and hopefully prevent the head from lifting. So he's because he's a Timmy is a mad scientist. Okay. Could you not just, I mean, at what point does this become, I, I don't know. I mean. Because the, the KA is a stronger block than the SR. Like, it, oh, okay. it is. Yeah. I'm not I'm not thinking SR. I'm thinking, like, you could go VQ. Or Jay-Z. L- Jay-Z, yeah. LS, you know. Because he doesn't want to. I mean, okay. It hasn't cost him that much money. He, he, he found a couple of places that had an overstock on Comedic. Uh, multi multi layer steel head gaskets for KAs. Of he bought he, he bought, bought like fifteen of them. Oh of my them. god! <laughs> I think it evened out to like twenty bucks a piece when he was done. So wow. he just has like a stack of Kometic head gaskets. I like cars and I like working on cars. I don't want to change my head gasket every yeah. three weeks, no. dude. <laughs> That's no. But hopefully it won't be a problem after this. Okay, well, you guys want to plug your pluggables? Plug my pluggables. <laughs> I don't know why that was really funny to me. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, the, the usual, c.crehan on Instagram for pictures of good food and ripped pants. I'm working on a pair right now. All right. <laughs> like one or two wears away, probably. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You feel the seams popping? Yeah, I can, yeah. I can see it coming. I can see it coming. <laughs>
I love that there's just like a life gauge that just slowly yeah, goes yeah. down. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, plug your pluggables. I thought potent potables was the... Was the <laughs> potent potables. <laughs> the penis mightier. The what? The penis mightier. Okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm on Instagram, TikTok, and you know, all the cool stuff. Saavedra88 and free candy media definitely follow pierce on tiktok because he posts some genuinely great content it's been like two weeks though but the stuff that you have posted is really good i really like it thanks i'm on instagram at the daily downshift you can follow this podcast at beer and backfire on instagram facebook we're on soundcloud itunes android google uh, podcast google spotify wherever pods are casted it should be there we have an email address, beerandbackfire at gmail.com. Tell us what you think the most mediocre car of all time is. Or don't. No, yeah, do. Tell us. Definitely <laughs> do. Definitely if tell you've us. had a car that was more mediocre than the ones that are listed, I want to know about it for sure. Because I'm sure that there's like some super obscure French car that somebody's <laughs> driving, and he's been driving it for 30 years, and it's had like two oil changes, and it's never had an issue. That's the car, you know? Mm. Okay. It's a Renault Megane from 1997. <laughs> all right. Well, everybody have a good night. Love you. Free candy. Free candy.